Welcome back into Local News Live. I'm Clay Osterley. Sure hope your day is going well for you today. We are uh, once again visiting the world of uh, travel today as we dive into unraveling your traveling. It's the uh, second one this week that we're doing with KHNL's Jonathan Sapi. And uh, Jonathan is kind of our resident travel expert, travel agent. He's always looking out for that good deal for you here, so it's always a good segment to tune into if you are uh, interested in doing some traveling here before too long. But Jonathan, we have uh, some uh, situations here, not only in the skies, and we've got the holiday seasons that are coming up, the big ones, uh, but we're also looking at some drama on the tracks. And I think we talked about this a little earlier in the week, but uh, Amtrak is, is really having some, uh, some work to do here in restoring service uh, in the wake of a strike threat here. And we were kind of talking about that a little while ago. Yeah, so we have some good news, as good as you could get today regarding this story. Keep in mind, we are not talking about Amtrak workers going on strike. We're talking about the freight workers that we're talking about going on a strike and threatening to. Uh, there's some resolution there, not completely finalized, of course, but the affecting Amtrak because Amtrak doesn't actually own the tracks it rolls on. So let's dive deeper into this. So here's sort of the good news. Amtrak says it's working to accommodate travelers whose plans were disrupted this week ahead of that tentative railway labor agreement that was reported today. So it was being also reported by a number of news agencies out there. I was just checking with ABC News and they said it's noticeably smaller today. The crowds at Amtrak stations, especially in the Northeast, even with that reported freight railway agreement, sort of keeping that strike at bay. Amtrak canceled several of its long-distance routes this week because they would not have been enough time to reach their destinations before the strike deadline that was coming up really quickly at 12.01 a.m. Friday, so tomorrow, very early, early in the morning. It was when that was supposed to happen. The strike would have disrupted commuter traffic as well as those freight rail lines that are so important to the supply chain demand in this country. Uh, it would have also impacted commuter trains that use the tracks owned by those major freight railroads. So Amtrak suspended its California lines. That's one of the really popular long distance ones that uh, runs from Chicago to the west. And it also said it was stopping running its city of New Orleans uh, line, which I've been on many times from Illinois down to New Orleans. And then the Starlight of Texas Eagle Line, along with several others. Uh, Amtrak says it's reaching out to customers right now whose plans were disrupted and that they will accommodate that as early as available for earlier their next departures. So the railroad unions today, their representatives have been working on negotiations and it's been going on for a long time. They announced today at the White House, as we take a live picture right there of the White House, that there is a agreement in the works and that there is a tentative agreement that will go before union members for a vote after there's sort of a post-ratification cooling off period that's going to be for several weeks. But at least for now, looks like there will be no strike tomorrow. So good news for Amtrak passengers who have their tickets booked for maybe next week, but those who had them booked for this week and maybe got pushed around a little bit, you're still dealing with some travel trouble. Sorry about that. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad that they have come to some tentative agreement at least because, as you mentioned, I, I don't think uh, 
I don't think we could handle any more supply chain uh, problems or anything like that. That would be, my goodness, I mean, things are already running slow as it is. Yeah. Beyond the travel trouble it was already creating with Amtrak, really, really the real problem would have been that supply chain. Those freight lines carry a lot of cargo all around the United States. You don't even think about trains being that important to the freight industry and shipping industry in this day and age, but they are crucial. I think it was around 30%, wow. something like that we reported earlier this week. Um, I'm pretty sure that was the percentage that we gave of how important as far as supply shipping goes for the country. So that would have been a big deal. Ooh, deep breath there. We're, we're doing okay there. Let's uh, keep our fingers crossed they reach that agreement. All right, well, Jonathan, you were, uh, we're talking about the strike here, but there's uh, something that's even more concerning overseas uh, that's kind of developing right now in France. So if people are traveling out there, what, what can we talk about with uh, France there? Yeah, it's also dealing with labor strike negotiations and trouble there. So let's talk about what's happening. More than a thousand flights have already been canceled ahead of a French air traffic con traffic control strike on tomorrow that's planned. It's really affecting hundreds of thousands of travelers' plans. France's aviation authority says they're warning people of severe disruptions and urging passengers to delay their trips even. Air France has canceled 55% of its short and medium haul flights and 16%, I'm sorry, 10% of its long haul flights as for tomorrow. Ryanair, which is a very popular airline in Europe, has canceled more than 400 flights, affecting 80,000 customers. And EasyJet, another popular carrier, has reportedly canceled hundreds of flights, according to French media. And there's even more beyond that. So the reason why this could really impact Americans and why I wanted to talk about it today is because we're talking so much about UK tourism, uh, people traveling to the UK for the Queen's passing, wanting to be a part of that history. We were running through all the numbers on that earlier in the week in our first segment on Tuesday. Well, if you have flights running through France, if you have or we're planning a stop in France to extend that vacation from the UK, this is what you need to watch out for. So keep an eye on this potential. Well, it looks like they probably are going to strike in this case. And um, it's going to be pretty disruptive. And it already is fairly disruptive with more than a flight, a thousand flights canceled. And I know of a lot of people, even within our great family that are traveling to Europe uh, for the UK uh, passing of the Queen's sort of memorials and funeral plans. So I know our gray crew is actually on the ground today. I'm sure you guys would be talking to them. So it'd be interesting to see if, if they're hearing of anyone getting any travel problems or travel trouble in the wake of this strike. It has truly been a season of delays and cancellations. And wow, that one is a big one for sure. So yeah, we and, and there are. There's so many people traveling right now in Europe because of the Queen's passing. Yikes, that's, a, that's definitely a big one. Well, uh, we, we have more international news, of course, uh, here. And, and this one I find interesting because uh, I think it's been a while uh, since people could openly travel uh, into New Zealand because, of course, of the COVID-19 pandemic. Tell me a little bit more about this here, Jonathan. This is big travel news. Yeah, and especially with the, the 
Yeah, and especially with the, the reawakening of the Lord of the Rings with the new series that's out, it's sort of reuniting people's interest, I'm sure, in New Zealand because there's so much Lord of the Rings tourism that takes place there or did in a pre-pandemic world and then New Zealand became one of the strictest countries in the world to travel to. Uh, they had really harsh and strict COVID rules trying to keep that island country safe. So let's take a look at some of these beautiful pictures from their tourism website as I run through this story. So it has eliminated, the country has eliminated all COVID-19 related travel restrictions and testing requirements marking this end of what was once the strictest pandemic era rules in the world really. The Prime Minister lifted all vaccine restrictions starting this week as well as lifted requirements for self-test after arrival. So going forward testing will simply be encouraged quote encouraged but not mandated. Previously New Zealand required travelers to show proof of vaccination to enter as well as testing right after arrival and then again on day five and six and report those results. So that was pretty strict. The country will still hand out free rapid tests at the airport to incoming travelers. But again, that's not mandatory. Yeah, New Zealand also eliminated its mask wearing rules and that goes into effect for everyone except for healthcare settings and some individual places can still impose mask requirements as well. Those pictures are gorgeous. I've never been to New Zealand. I really want to go. We're also watching internationally some developing news there with COVID restrictions. We're still keeping an eye on Japan. They are expected to announce some news about even lifting further their restrictions. They recently announced just in the past few days that they're sort of lifting raising the cap on the number of people they're going to allow in, and we expect them to loosen even more rules in the days to come. Right now, you can really only enter Japan with a tour group, a designated tour group, very, very restrictive, but soon we expect them to announce that individuals can once again travel to the country. And if you are wanting to go to Japan, I got to say, if you're willing to hedge your bet, there's some good deals out there for the beginning of next year, so book now for those flights because there's some awesome awesome deals i saw some from los angeles and from right here in honolulu for the ones from here were like from three to five hundred dollars round trip on the discount carrier so that's pretty good not bad okay and and yeah you're absolutely right and i've never been to new zealand either uh but man those pictures were beautiful i mean anytime you can be uh at eye level and see the snow line on the top of the mountains there back behind you wow that is cool all right could not agree more. It's really at the top of my list of what I need to get to. For sure. <laughs> I, you know what? Let's plan a trip. You, you do the planning, and I will uh, just some, supply some of the fun. Do the paying? You're I, okay, pay. well, we, well you. we, we, can, we can talk about it. We can talk about it. <laughs> okay. All right. So, hey, uh, earlier this week, Deal. we were talking about, of course, uh, kind of, we, we've transitioned out of the summer holidays, uh, the summer season travel, but we are now talking about some of the holidays traveling, Thanksgiving, Christmas, things like that. We talked a little bit about some of the best times to fly on either side of Thanksgiving and Christmas to try to stretch your dollar as far as it can go and just try to, uh, rip, uh, uh, stay away from some of the headaches of all of the crazy travel season, but uh, many take part in the Halloween tourism as well. And so uh, I want to kind of talk about some of the top spooky destinations where people might be traveling to for Halloween. You love Halloween. I love Halloween. 
Everybody in this room loves Halloween, so let's talk okay. about it. Yeah, I mean, there is tourism aspects to it. A lot of people do travel for Halloween uh, right here in the islands where I am. Uh, Lanai on Maui hosts a really big block party. Same with downtown here in Honolulu, Honolulu for Halabaloo is what it's called for our downtown Chinatown block party, which always brings out a lot of great costumes, and those take place across the country. So our... Fellow journalist over at Martha Stewart's website, which she's really one of my favorite media moguls out there, and she's a big Halloween fan if you've ever watched her shows. She really gets into the holidays, and specifically Halloween. So she's put together a list of the top destinations on their website. I'll run through a few of the ones that they have picked up on. So we'll start with really the most obvious, and I was going to skip this one, but it's just really cool, and it's another place I'd really, really love to visit, Salem, Massachusetts, of course. It's peak tourism season in that part of the country because you're talking about fall fo foliage, those fall changing colors in that part of the country, just gorgeous this time of the year. Um, they've also got this whole area of Salem, really, they don't have like really one huge party. They do a whole sort of group thing. They call it Haunted Happenings and is what it's called. It's an annual celebration of Halloween and fall in New England. Individual events aren't organized really by one entity, but rather a collection of timely Halloween festivals. People love it. It's really hard to get a hotel. I'd have to say if you don't have your Airbnb or hotel now in Salem, you're probably not going to get it. You're going to have to drive into the festivities. But there's really just a classic mix of even horror film festivals, haunted outings, haunted festivals you can get into and really dig into that witchy past of Salem. So, so many resources out there for Salem. Let's move on to the next destination, which I've never been here either, but people love Williamsburg and Colonial America. Yeah. And MarthaStewart.com is really suggesting this one as a top pick because there's so much history there. You know talking about places like Williamsburg, Jamestown, Yorktown, all part of this list is part of America's historic triangle. These three communities have a Halloween events that address everyone in your family's need, from like the younger kids in elementary school age to the little bit older ones to adults to trick-or-treating. Yeah, so in Jamestown, they celebrate it with all sorts of ghostly encounters, including in Yorktown. Uh, and you can even check out uh, the Halloween-themed museum that takes place there in downtown Colonial Williamsburg. They sort of transformed the museum there into a Halloween digs. All right, I picked one more. They have a list of 15, but I just picked three that looked interesting to me. So South Dakota. I think I never thought of South Dakota as a haunted place, but they're really putting up there high on the list, of, especially of the Midwestern cities to visit for Halloween. A lot of amateur ghost hunters scout out the events there. This place and spe specifically there is uh, a lodge in Rapid City. It's called the Hotel Alec Johnson. It's a historic inn said to be one of the most haunted hotels in the country. Ooh, a lot of paranormal investigators go and visit this hotel and places around there in South Dakota. So, I don't know, do you have any favorite Halloween spots that you like to visit? I'd have to say for me, once living in Arizona, there's some really cool ones uh, in Bisbee, Arizona, right there near the uh, Arizona 
Mexico border. It's a historic mining town, and, and it reminds me a lot of the South Dakota images. Uh, historic hotels said to be very haunted, a lot of ghost stories. You can do ghost story tours, and they have great history that goes along with that. That would be my favorite Halloween destination. I, you know, I've never actually done any specific Halloween traveling or anything like that. But fun fact about me, Jonathan, of course, I grew up in New Orleans. I am very big on uh, paranormal activity and monster legends and folklore and superstitions and all of that stuff. I just, I love all of that. I was actually a member of a paranormal investigation group in my time in North Louisiana for a little while, uh, Louisiana Spirits. Uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did, uh, I did several investigations with this group. Um, now, one spot that I have never personally been to, even though I grew up in Louisiana, and you've probably heard of this, is the Myrtles Plantation in St. Francisville, Louisiana, which is a little bit north of Baton Rouge. But one of the more haunted locations there in the state of Louisiana, uh, it's kind of a bed and breakfast, so you can go and stay there. My parents have actually stayed there before, witnessed some really spooky stuff going on. Uh, so, yeah, so that would... Well, you can't just say some stuff. What'd you find? Tell me one ghost story. You can't leave me hanging. Well, give me... Well, you know, I, I would say probably my... probably, And, and I actually have uh, two stories on uh, my, my YouTube channel that, that I just upload stories that I've done throughout my career. Um, but probably the biggest uh, story that I have is we did an investigation of a uh, old rundown hotel in uh, Monroe, Louisiana. Now, outside of that hotel, uh, there was an alleyway, and there was a woman uh, that, was, uh, that was murdered in that alleyway. And so uh, we went out, and we uh, started asking questions. We were doing a, uh, uh, you know, just a, a re some recordings and stuff like that. And... Um, we actually caught a recording of uh, that, what the paranormal investigation group believed to be that woman um, telling us who committed her murder, who murdered her. And um, when we got some more information uh, about the story, it was really, really crazy how accurate that uh, EVP was, is what they call it, electronic voice phenomenon. Uh, it was, it was, just chilling how accurate that EVP was to actually who was arrested for her murder. Um, and so I'll, I'll, I'll let that be a little bit of a tease, but maybe I'll send the, those links to you after this uh, story. You got to show those on local news live. That's crazy. <laughs> and we're, we're getting closer to the time of the year where yeah. it would be acceptable to show it too. I was much younger back then, but you know, uh, it was it was nuts, and we we had taken to the archives. Yeah, yeah, we we had t tons of experiences um, on, on you know some of those investigations. Lots of uh, lots of you know interactions with some of our instruments and things like that. And you know, um, one of the things that we always did, and I I learned uh, from the group is whenever you go into a space, you have to be respectful of the spirits, of course. Um, and, but what this group always did was they always made sure to let the spirits know that we're leaving their space, but they have to stay in their space. Don't follow me home because we don't want, we don't want any hauntings at home, right? Not at all. Well, speaking of home, I'll tell my, uh, story real fast. And it's not a ghost story. It's a monster story. Okay. And I, I like think monsters. I've mentioned it before. I was from a small town. 
Yeah, it's, it's a good one. I'm from a small town called Murfreesboro, Illinois. It's in uh, the Cape Girardeau, Missouri market, if you're watching on a great television station right now. Um, so Murfreesboro, Illinois, known for the big muddy monster. And it's very much a Sasquatch Yeti story, and it's said to terrorize people along the Big Muddy River. Uh, there's all sorts of tales and stories. There's even a song about it. There's even a comic book about it. A lot of things named after it. People love, love going like Big Muddy Monster hunting and sort of getting spooked out about that. Um, the legend really starts in the 1960s or 70s. There's a couple that was there hanging out down by the river and said to have been terrorized or sort of followed by the monster, and that's where the story, I believe, got its beginnings. There's been several monster hunting shows that have done stories about it as well. You can Google it, read about it. It's sort of a really fun uh, piece of my town's lore or legend that's really popular, especially this time of year because it's that town's uh, autumn um, festival, apple festivals going on there. So a lot of big muddy monster stories get told around this time. So, yes. Oh, no. I think I'm being hot. There's something going no, on right no. now. Oh, no. Something happening here. No. No. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. You saw my finger. Hang in, hang in there, John. Uh, that was me. Um, yeah. But that's what I got. There's also uh, ghost hunting tours you can do here in Hawaii. There's a ghost hunting bus that goes around right now. Okay. Uh, that just started back up in the, uh, as we come out of the pandemic. It's really cool. And it's a haunted ghost bus you can go on. There's also, like, ghost story tours you can go on. I've, I've done that one as well. And you can go on to different destinations around Oahu and see all sorts of uh, spooky sights, really. Oh, no, I think I might have just lost your call. So. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, oh, no. Yeah, I think you're, I'm still here. You're back. I think I'm I still I lost here. you for one second. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, well, you know. I have uh, I, I have a, a similar Sasquatch story. Um, now I got to do one, and I can send you this link too because I think you'd like it. Now there's there's a there's a Bigfoot uh, legend in southern Arkansas as well because I, I worked in the Shreveport market for a little while, and uh, in southern Arkansas, Falk, Arkansas. So they, it goes by two different names: the, the Falk monster or the Boggy Creek monster, which sounds similar to the the, the big muddy monster that you were talking about. Um, and so uh, the, the Boggy Creek monster, though, uh, I, I met two guys uh, who said that they had experiences with him. They were chased by uh, him, they said, and, um, and they just recounted their stories. And I mean, as we were out there, I was actually, I had already heard uh, the majority of these two guys' stories. I was shooting a segment where I was standing in front of the camera. We call that a stand-up here, of course, in the, in the TV business. Um, but I was stand, I was, I was shooting a standup and the, the two guys told me that what, uh, what they found is that the Boggy Creek monster likes to communicate by like clapping their hands together or by picking up two rocks and like hitting them together to try to intimidate you away from the area. And these two guys are standing directly behind the camera as I'm shooting my standup so I can visibly see them and I don't see anything in their hands. And then off in the distance, sure enough, we hear there's this loud just clank, 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 clank. And, I mean, I react to it because I'm, I'm just shocked. And uh, upon further review, the scientist in me says it was probably like a woodpecker or something like that, just pecking a tree. But it got me in the moment, <laughs> though. It got me in the moment. What's that? You hear that? I don't know if you heard that. I was kicking the I was kicking the desk. Um, 
I love these ghost stories. We oh, need yeah. to do a whole segment all, about ghost stories. All the time. Right? I, I, There's so many good ones. Next yeah. week, we should yeah. do a whole ghost stories unraveling your traveling. We should come up with the best, like, ghost stories to talk. You, you know what? We're brainstorming this out live on TV, but, you know, all our great stations really do a great job with these ghost stories every year. It would be really easy for us to compile a bunch of them Absolutely. and just run through them and share them. That would be really fun. I'm down if you're down. Okay, let's do it. I, we will we will uh, talk after this for sure. All right, well, guys, that was... You saw the creative process unfold right here on Local News Live. Cool. <laughs> guys, that was Unraveling Your Traveling. You are watching uh, Local News Live and KHNL's Jonathan Soppy. Again, kind of our resident travel expert. He's always watching out for you and your related uh, travel topics, of course. Uh, coming to you live from Honolulu, Hawaii. Jonathan, thank you again so much for joining us, and we look forward to talking uh, next week. Yeah, ghost stories. Here we come. Have a good one. All right. Sounds good. And, of course, you're watching Local News Live, 24-7 news network for gray television. We have more than 100 local TV stations across the country from the East Coast all the way to the West Coast, and uh, we were just talking with one of them, KHNL, out of Honolulu, Hawaii. We have the one there in Hawaii. We also have two in Alaska, and we are always looking for the most interesting stories going on around the across the country. We gather those up, and then we send them to you here on Local News Live. We'll be right back.